You are now listening to Zekaic Podcast, proclaiming the gospel. Jesus is Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. Indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ is our living hope. Amen to that. Shall we open our Bibles in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning with verse 1 up to verse 14. Jeremiah 29, 1 to 14. I will be reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says here, Jeremiah 29, 1-14. to We will include a little bit of the portions of the verses until 23, but we will only be reading verses 1-14. to It says here, Now these are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the high officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and fathers, sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may give birth to sons and daughters and grow in numbers there and do not decrease. Seek the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord in its behalf, for in its prosperity will be your prosperity. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets who are in your midst or your diviners deceive you and do not listen to their interpretations of your dreams, which you dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I haven't sent them declares the Lord. For this is what the Lord says, When seventy years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you or plans for prosperity and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. May the good Lord bless us upon the reading of His word. Last January, we discussed on the subject matter called faith. And then last February, we talked about love. And in this month of March, we will be talking about the subject called hope. And today's message I entitled, Hoping in His Plan. Hoping in His Plan. And I am praying that with these messages within the month of March would awaken something deep within us. If we have been idle for months or weeks, I am praying that this is going to be a message that's going to awaken us and help us to become more and more productive in our day-to-day living. There was one time when I encountered a story, I read a story 
about a man called Major Harold Kushner. Harold Kushner became a prisoner of the Viet Cong for five years. While he was in prison, he met someone, a very young man, a 24-year-old American or U.S. Marine, who also happened to become a prisoner of the Viet Cong that time. So they were together in the camp of the Viet Congs. And then while they were there, Major Harold observed something with his young person. He saw that this young man kept on conversing with the commander of the camp. And while they were there, he was suspecting actually that this young man is conniving with the officer in that camp of the Viet Cong. And then he discovered that it was really true. This young man agreed with the commander of the camp that he will do everything that they would tell him to do, that he will obey every, every what is this command that they will give to him for a reason. And that reason is that it's a condition that he will be set free a few years later. And so he was hopeful. This young man, a 24-year-old U.S. Marine, was very hopeful that he will be finally released after obeying everything that the commander in that camp um, would give him. But later, later, in a matter of around three years, this young man discovered that he was hoping in a lie because the commander of that camp actually lied to him and did not have any intention of releasing him. And when he found that out, you know what he did? According to Major uh, Harold Kushner, this young man who was perceived to be a strong, tough guy started to become a zombie. When he said a zombie, not the way we think of it today when we watch a movie who is like walking dead. But this guy was there. He was described like a zombie because he no longer communicated with individuals inside that camp. He stopped talking even among the Viet Congs. He stopped eating. He stopped conversing. He stopped living. And every time they look at him inside his cot, you know what he did? He was just sucking his thumb without sleeping, without eating. In a matter of weeks, they found him dead inside his cot. What was the problem? What happened to this young man who was described earlier by Major Harold Kushner as a tough U.S. Marine. What happened to him? And as I was looking at the story, at the plot of that, uh, what is this incident, I realized that this guy lost something. What was that? He lost his hope. And I think this is a natural thing for human beings like you and me. When, we, when hope is gone, we lost the appetite to exist, we lost the appetite to communicate with other people. We lost the appetite, appetite of taking food. And this happened even to many people in our time. After the 6.30 worship service in this morning, a member of the church came to me. He said, you know, pastor, what you were saying earlier at the pulpit, I experienced that a few, many years ago. He said, I was still an unbeliever at that time. I wasn't, I wasn't a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what happened to him? He experienced a depression. And according to him, he knew that he was still alive, but deep inside his mind, he was dictating on himself that he's going to die sooner or later. And he was swallowed by that kind of idea. And this guy just stayed inside his room without any desire of conversing with other people. 
he did not eat, he didn't sleep, and he felt that he was really dying. He was brought to a doctor, and you know what the doctor said to him? You know, I don't see really any problem physically with your body. But he said, what do you feel right now? And he said, you know, doctor, I feel like I am dying. And I have been feeling this for weeks already. When this guy realized that he lost all the hope that he could ever hold in his life, he shut his world and he began to think that he is dying. When a human being like you and me would lose hope, you know, it's really going to be very difficult to exist and to continue going on with life. When this young U.S. Marine found out that his hope is anchored on something that is all lie, you know what he did? He died in his cot. And the Israelites back then, on the text that we read, you know, part of this passage is a known verse that is often quoted by many believers today. For I know the plans I have for you. You know, we know this verse, right? Whenever there is a celebration or an event, a fellowship, and then we will be asked to share our life verse. Many individuals I have heard sharing this verse as their life verse. But take note that this verse is not given generally to every believer. This is addressed to the Israelites. This was an exclusive promise for them. This is not a promise that you and I can claim today. However, there is a big thing that we could learn as a principle out of this text, okay? Now, what was happening back then? The, the Israelites, they did something before the eyes of God. And because of that, God allowed the Babylonians to invade their place. And this time, there was an ally of two tribes. The tribes of Judah and Benjamin. They were living together in that certain land in Israel. About 586 BC, when God allowed the Babylonians to invade their land and took some of their young, strong men as prisoners, and they were all brought to Babylon. Part of that journey was Daniel and his friends. So they were there, and then the Babylonians got all those strong men, the intelligent ones. They chose the best among them, and they got them and brought them to Babylon. You know when that happened already? One of the prophets that time went to the temple. Now take note that there were already people, there were Israelites that were taken out of the land who were already in Babylon. Okay? Now back in that place in Israel, inside the temple, there was a prophet who spoke before the priest. And this prophet was called Hananiah. And you know what Hananiah said? Listen to this, he said to the priest. And all the people listening to him inside the temple, he said to them, you know, in a matter of two years, in a matter of two years, the exile will come to its end. In other words, those people that were brought by the Babylonians into their city will be set free again and will be brought back to Jerusalem, to Israel. So that was the prediction of Hananiah. And I believe those individuals who heard that kind of prediction were all, what is this? Uh, parabang nagkaroon sila ng hope, nagkaroon sila ng lakas ng loob. Bakit? Inasa exile sila, and that exile will come to an end in a matter of two years. The problem is this: Hananiah falsely prophesied. He did not receive any message from God telling him that the exile will end in two years. In fact, in fact, Jeremiah was there inside the temple, and later God revealed it to Jeremiah. And you know what God told him? 
If you look at chapter 29 now, you can see the account of Hananiah in the earlier verses of chapter 28. Now God revealing it this time to Jeremiah. And God told Jeremiah, Hananiah prophesied falsely. I did not tell him that the exile will tell him that the exile will come to an end in a matter of two years. In fact, the exile will end when the 70 year is completed. 70 years. Now, if you'll be given the chance to choose between the two, which one would you love to hear? Naturally, you would like to hear the two-year prophecy. Because you, you are in a foreign land. You are in the vicinity of your enemy. You wouldn't like to be there. All you desire is that this exile will come to an end and I will be brought back to the land where I was taken from. And that gave hope to the people. But the problem is that that hope was false. So it's really a big problem now when you are hoping at something and that hope that has, that has been given to you is anchored on something that is false. It's a lie. And God told Jeremiah, it's not true. I have not given him any message that it's going to end in two years. And that is why when you look at the letter, by the way, the passage that we read, it's a letter. A letter of Jeremiah, of God the Lord, written by Jeremiah, and that letter was sent to the exile who were there in Babylon. And in that letter, you would observe several times that this line was repeatedly mentioned. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Take note of that. This is what the Lord, or the Lord of the armies, or the God of Israel, says. It's a quotation from God. In other words... When a prophet penned it down, in his mind, he was really very careful in stating this what we call prophetic formula. Or other people would say, in an older, older translation in English, it says, thus says the Lord. There is no prophet in the Old Testament who would just utter anything without saying this prophetic line. He has to say this line first before the exact prophecy would be related. So Jeremiah here was very careful. He said, this is what the Lord of Israel says. It's repeatedly mentioned. You can see that in verse 4, chapter 29, verse 8, verse 10, and a few more times it was mentioned in the latter portion of the chapter. This is what the Lord of Israel is saying. So he said this line to make sure that the hearers or the readers of the letter would realize that these are not his own words. The words that they were about to read were actually quotations from the Lord himself that the exile is going to end in a matter of 70 years. And so take note of this. When God said, for I know the plans I have for you. When God said this to the Israelites, he was talking about the 70 years later. It's a very far, far hope that they could look forward to. 70 years that's beyond a lifespan of a generation. Normally, a generation is measured within 40 years. Almost times two of a lifespan of a generation, 70 years. In other words, if you were about 20 year old and you were brought to that exile, you will be 90 year old by then, by the time that the exile will finally come to its end. So it's going to be a long period of time that they are going to wait for that hope. However, however, 
When God sent this letter, He was not only giving them a future hope, but He gave them something so unique that I believe you and I can learn very much from this very text tonight. Something so unique, a hope that is not only found in the future, a hope that is not only going to happen 70 years later, but a hope that they could experience on a daily basis. Here is what the Lord said in verses 5 to 7. Listen to His very words in the letter. Build houses and live in them. And then plant gardens and eat their produce. Wait a minute. Where were they during this time? They were in Babylon. They were exiles. They were not there for a vacation. They did not buy a property there. They were aliens in that land and yet God was advising them, build a house, live in those houses, plant a garden, and then enjoy the produce of your garden. What was he talking about here? Lord, are you serious about this matter? We are not in a vacation. We did not purchase this land. We don't have any plan of settling down here for good. Why would you like us to build a house? And then he continued with his statement in verse 6. Take wives and fathers, sons, and daughters. God was commanding them actually to have children in a foreign land. Seriously. Ayaw nga ng mga couple ngayon na magkaroon ng baby during COVID time. Diba? May mga kakilala ko nagsabi sa akin, Pastor, ayaw namin magkaroon ng baby ngayon. Bakit? Eh, nangungot siya yung friends namin. COVID baby daw yung ipapanganak ni Mrs. Pag ganon. To us, in a normal sense of, in a normal way of thinking, we don't think this is the proper time for us to have children. In that same sense, the Israelites were not thinking that it was a proper time for them to have children. It wasn't supposedly a proper time for them to find wife, to find a husband, to have children, not an appropriate time. But God told them, find a wife, give your daughters to a husband, produce children. What was he talking about here? And then he continued, seek the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord in its behalf for in its prosperity will be your prosperity also. So God was commanding them actually to, to stay in that land as exiles, but at the same time, God desired that they would continue to be responsible people living in a foreign land as productive as they could, living their lives, having a meaning-filled life instead of mourning, instead of putting themselves down, instead of feeling so sad about what about what the past has displayed to them, living that past, instead of looking forward only to the 70 years later, wherein they would be set free, instead of becoming idle in all throughout those years, God was telling them, I want you to stay productive. I want you to live your life in a meaningful way. I want you to keep on walking as if it is normal for you. And how could that happen? Is it really possible? And as I was thinking about this matter, how could it be that you tend, you, you try to live your life in a normal way when you are in an exile. How could you do that when your, when your lives are all in danger? When you are not in a secured situation? How could you live your life as if everything is normal? You know, that can only happen when, when the Israelites would learn to hope in the plan of God. Not only the 70 year later plan, 
but that plan for them on how they should live their lives while they were in exile. God had a plan for them. 70 years later, they will be set free. But God had another plan for them, not a future plan. This time, a plan for them, the actual, the current plan. And what was that plan? For them to live their lives as responsible as they could be. For them to live their lives as meaningful as it should be. For them to live their lives as productive as they could, even if they are there staying in a foreign land. And that can only happen when they begin to embrace their situation and at the same time think of the hope that God gives to them according to His plan, not for the future, but on a daily basis. That they will build their house. Lord, I know that this is, that I know that our lives are endangered here. I know that things are not secured here, but I'm going to build my house. I'm going to trust that you are going to protect me. I'm going to trust that you will not allow my enemies to come and attack my family here. Help children. Lord, this is not a, an appropriate time for us to multiply. Not an appropriate time for us to have babies. But as we do this, as we try to live our lives in a normal way, we trust and we hope in your daily plan that you are going to provide for our needs, that you are going to cover us from any harm and danger. That's what actually God wants them to experience. Not only a future plan, but a plan of God that should be experienced as they hope in that plan on a daily basis. And this is a beautiful picture. You know what? When Jesus talked to his disciples and he told them, this is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I want us to take note of that line. Give us this day our daily bread. Many people would desire to accumulate more than what they need. When I read that line, I said, why our daily bread? Isn't it possible, dear God? Because you own everything. You are so wealthy. You are... You are not limited by your, what is this, provision. You have everything. You own everything. You made everything. Is it possible that we would ask you, please provide for the needs that we have for the entire year? Why did Jesus teach them, give us this day our daily bread? Not give us this day what we need for the whole month. Give us this day what we need for the rest of the 20 years of existence. Why did he not pray or teach them to pray that way? but it was provide our needs on a daily basis. The reason for that, I believe, is this. Often, human as we are, when we get what we need, we don't go back. We only go back when we need it again. So we go back, Lord, please provide for my needs for this one month. We get everything. We live. For one month, we don't show ourselves. When we look at our resources and it's depleting already, that's the time you go back. One month later, Lord, one month only. One month only. And when God gives it to us, we move away and we go back after a month. That's a very natural tendency that human beings would experience. But when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, the desire of God is that we come to Him every day, that we wake up in the morning and would say, Lord, I have my own plans, you know. I have some things in my mind. These are the activities that I have planned to do. And yet beyond these things, 
I have a lot of concerns that are beyond my control. But, be, uh, but in those realities that I am going through, I would like to acknowledge that you have your plans also. And I'm relying, I am hoping on those plans that you have for me within the day. So God, this very early in the morning, I come to you. Please help me. Give me the strength that I need. Give me the wisdom that I need. Make me a blessing to other people that would come into my way. And so we move on with our life for the entire day and we experience the goodness of God. We experience the plan of God. And at the end of the day, we go back and lie down and rest and say, Lord, thank you for everything. On the following day, we wake up again. We do the same. Lord, I am expressing my dependence on you. I cannot do this without you. I am relying on your plan. I am hoping that you are going to intervene in my situation. Then we move on within the day and then we go back and rest. And on the following day, we do the same again. So our approach in the throne of grace now will be on a daily basis. And the Israelites were there in that exile. And God was telling them, I want you to trust me on a daily basis. I want you to look forward on the future hope that I have in mind for you. But more than that future hope is my desire that you would live your lives while you are in exile as productive as you can, as meaningful as you can. Because in every day of your living, I want you to experience the hope that you could have in my plans for your life. We may not be in an exile today, but we have been in this pandemic and many of us would like to see this finally come to an end. Praise God, the vaccine already arrived, but not enough for everyone. And reality is that many of us don't like that vaccine. Diba? Diba ayaw nyo ng Sinovac? That's reality. I have talked to a few individuals and many of them said, I don't like, ah, hindi ako magpapavaccine, Pastor. That's a reality. Though there is a truth also that we all desire to see this pandemic finally come to its end. While we are hoping at that moment to happen, you know what God is asking us to do? God desires as He desired for the Israelites while they were in exile. God desires that you and I, that you and I, will begin to live our lives as productive as we can, as meaningful as it could be, while in the midst of a pandemic. I'm telling you this. Don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating about what is this going against the protocols of the government. I think we have to follow all the protocols. But what I'm trying to tell you from the very word of the Lord is that let's continue to be responsible individuals living our lives as productive as we can while in this pandemic. Because in that aspect of our being, we learn to trust God, we learn to hope in the plans of God, not only on that time when He put a hold on this pandemic, but on a daily basis. We wake up in the morning, we come to the Lord, Lord, I hope in your plan. On the following day, we wake up again and we approach the Lord, Lord, I am hoping in your plan. I am hoping in your plan. I am hoping in your plan every day. And God is honored when we come to Him, depending on Him every day, hoping that He has a plan for our lives every day. And you would only experience becoming productive in this world while in this pandemic if you learn to be responsible continually while hoping in His plan to take place in your life every day. If you're a doctor, you go to the hospital. Cure patients by God's grace, but remain responsible. Wear your PPE, wash your hands regularly, wear your mask, wear your face shield. If you are a nurse, go there and as, 
attend to patients, help the doctors. If you're a teacher, continue going to school, not meeting students because there is no face-to-face -face classes today. But you continue going to school, doing all those paperworks that are necessary for you to accomplish. Check the papers diligently. Continue to teach students that they, you may cause them to learn, not only to teach lessons to them, but cause them to learn. Continue doing what God has placed in your, on your shoulders as your responsibility. Continue living with that idea that God has given to you. And as you do that, remain also responsible. Because as you allow this thing to take place, as you embrace your present situation and live with a hope in your heart and mind that God's plan is at work in your life every day, God will bring you through this pandemic until the time when He put a hold in this virus that has been threatening every one of us. The idea that God desires for every one of us is very clear. You may not be in an exile, but you are in a pandemic. If the exiles were advised to remain responsible, productive, and living a meaningful life, God is advising the same thing for all of us today. Remain responsible, be productive as you can, and live a meaningful life as God desires. This would only happen if you learn to hope in His plan, not only in His future plan, but in His plan for you on a daily basis. With this in our hearts and minds, I am looking forward to seeing God's children living still life with meaning, even if it is difficult, and living a life that is full of productivity because God desires that you and I will not stay idle. You know, during the pandemic, at the height of it, many individuals became so idle. We don't do anything. I think it's not bad to be idle for a matter of day or two. But if you have been idle for about a year already, something is wrong with that. And God is calling you to wake up. Remain productive and responsible as you can be. And live a meaningful life, hoping in the plan of God that will take place in your life on a daily basis. With this, I look forward to seeing you a more productive living and meaningful life. God bless us all. And good evening. You just heard a message from Zamboanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms. In Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekaek Ministries. God bless!